So last week we spoke about love and what is chesed and um, Hashem's chesed for us and our chesed for him, so to speak. Um, so, and we talked a little about Umevi Goel, that Hashem is constantly bringing the Redeemer. Um, so I did want to point out that um, that constantly bringing the Redeemer, uh, it's a nice, it's a very nice thought for us now also, you know, it's good to just know it's already in process, it hasn't been, we haven't been forgotten about, um, but it's particularly relevant to this bracha, because this bracha of Shemona Esrei is the first, it's the seed. All the rest of Shemona Esrei unfolds out of this Magen Avraham, right? As long as you can have Kavana here, I wouldn't say that's good enough, but it certainly <laughs> means you've got the gist of it, at least, to be Yotze. And the same way, it's Magen Avraham. It focuses, even though it talks about all three Avos and is patterned after all three Avos, it ultimately is encapsulated in Magen Avraham, in Avraham alone, because he is the father of the fathers. You're getting directions? <laughs> I'm not getting directions for how to get to my uh, <laughs> recording. Um, asking for my password. Okay. Um, that Avraham himself is the father of the fathers. He's the father of Klal Yisrael. He encapsulates within himself all of Klal Yisrael. And this bracha encapsulates all of this. And therefore, this process of geula which is in process and has been really from day one of creation is the encapsulation of it all. And that is part of that present tense. Hashem is mevi goel livnei v'nehem. Hashem is bringing a redeemer to the children's children. So we'll touch on that a little bit more probably later today. But there is one... Um, it's, kind, it's such a fundamental, really of how we understand the world, that I wanted to bring another piece about that, which is a selection from the Derech Hashem, which is Ramchal. Um, this piece is from Chelek Dalid Perak Dalid, looks like, where he says, in, in accordance with the way in which God, in his great wisdom, has organized the world, in order to perfect all of the creation within it. There are many things which we would call ra, things which are, as according to the Quran, not yet in their state of perfection, not yet the way they should be, that roll around in the world. You can come across, perhaps because of a person who has made a free will choice that regards sin. Very often that is the source of the problem. And it seems, when you look at it, that these things are in opposition to God's will. Because Hashem Yisbarach certainly only wants good. He wants tov. His will is for tov. And his desire is to do good. Hatov hametiv. God wants good and he desires doing good. And in fact, his holy name, may it be blessed, is Mishalel. There's a chil Hashem. When someone who is wicked has any control and can do anything, and when evil can pervert the way that things are meant to be, when that is the appearance, then that's a chil Hashem. That certainly seems to be against God's will. However, in attempting to know God's ways in the world, the book is Derech Hashem, the way of God, and think deeply into these things, we will come to know that regardless of what happens, it is only a, these are only causes within causes that are very deep. 
all of them actually directed, you know, these are winding, winding paths, twists and turns within twists and turns, all of which lead ultimately to the point of perfection of creation. And that is where they all end. So the Romans said all roads end in Rome, but Derech Hashem, <laughs> all paths end in a perfected world. And therefore, we find that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is, in fact, directing everything truly. Truly, he is, in, he is directing everything. And it is only his plan which lasts. Atzas Hashem Hitakum. It is God's plan, which is that which will ultimately last permanently, which is the coming of good and perfection to all of creation. And in fact, it's deeper than that. It isn't just, we, we've taken a few steps. Step one is that, there appear, that God's, God's will for the world is to bring it to perfection. Step two is that we apparently see things that seem to be against God's will. Step three is realizing that God is directing those things too, and although they take twists and turns, they will ultimately lead to God's will. It's reminiscent of Rav Hirsch's phrase that God will not allow his will to be thwarted. It says in Pirkei Avos, right? This, it, it will come to what he wants it to come to regardless. But, he, but now, now Ramchal is going to go a further step. He says the deeper truth of this is that these things must play out this way. It's not that people have managed to go against God's will, but he will always redirect it back to where he wants it to go. It's that these things must play out this way based upon principles of God's wondrous wisdom and true goodness. And it will only become known to us in the end of all of these twists and turns and, and passages that Hashem Yisbarach is one, he is the only, and he is the unique. He is the cause of all causes, the director of all pathways, to come to their final and true conclusion. And it is only by means of these long and somewhat tortuous and deep paths that we will come to understand more completely that there is no cause other than him. He is the only cause of causes. There was no wicked people who were able to decide something different. It's not that God has to react to their choices and now change his plan and bring things around back to where he wanted them. God has been directing all causes all along, and there is no ultimate destination other than one. And he, Yisbarach Shemo, is the cause of all to the goal and destination of true perfection. You can see this is, this is a fundamental of Emunan Bitachon. And really, this is Umevi Goel Livnei Venehem Lama'an Shemo Ba'ahava. That's really what that means. God is bringing a Redeemer to the sons of the sons for the sake of his great name with love. That's really what that means, is this little passage from Derech Hashem. Not so little. There's no little passage of Ramchal. <laughs> the Vilna Gaon, you know, the, the Ramchal's writings were very controversial when he wrote them. Um, I, I haven't done the research to find out why. It's not mostly super important now because everyone agrees that his writings are completely not controversial and they're very deep and important fundamentals. But at the time... <laughs> um, some of it had to do with the writing it up. He, he, he seems to have written what he did to give an organized, um, systematic explanation of the Chagim, of Bitachon, of uh, or how we relate to God's ways in the world. Um, and this made people very nervous because it sounds like you're using some sort of scientific method to think about about Torah and that that doesn't sound right that sounds like you're mixing you know the the holy and the profane and he wasn't he was thinking methodically 
but that made people nervous. He was also, I think, a jeweler <laughs> by trade, and that also made people nervous, I think, because they said, well, you know, it's one thing if you're a rabbi, but, you, you know, you're, you're a balabais, like, <laughs> so you're going to write about the deepest, you know, like, you know what God thing, whatever he was, he had good teachers, and he was a brilliant and dedicated Talmud Chacham, despite the fact that he had to earn a living also, you know. But this, this seems to have been, anyway, it, thank God for Ramchal. Okay. Lema'an Shemo Ba'ahava. For the sake of his name, with love. So interesting, that with love at the end, this is just purely from a poetic point of view. It's, it just sounds so much like, a, you know, when you write a letter and you say, with love, it's a way of saying it. You know, I just want you to know that I'm thinking of you with love. It's Laman Shemo Ba'ahava, for the sake of his name, with love. Okay. But there's quite a lot of, um, of pieces to that, much of which we already have background for because of that exploration of chesed. Since chesed is ahava indeed, it makes it easier to start looking at what does that mean, Laman Shemo Ba'ahava, because we've done a little bit of background research. Um, the Ha'emek Davar, I'm not going to read the main point of this Ha'emek Davar, mostly because I'm going to cover it in a different place, uh, not from the Ha'emek Davar, but he does also say it. Um, but I do want to point out his conclusion, which is that it is by virtue of Ahava, and we're going to explore some different facets of that, but by virtue of Ahava that Hashem will redeem us. Lema'an Shemo, he will, he will bring a redeemer for the sake of his name with love. What's the with love? Or for love, or, right? Because of love. Be'ahava. How, how does the love fit in here? What's its role here in the sentence? So according to the way the Ha'imek Davar is reading this, it is by virtue of, of love, meaning either our love for God or the love of the avos for Hashem, that is with that love that Hashem will redeem us. That's Ayim Ekdavar. Um, that means the Mashiach will come? Yeah. And that he's already coming. Oh. That that process has been going on already. Oh. It's just a long process. Um, the Arizal also says that we will be redeemed by virtue of real love for others. Our love for others is what will finally be the merit in which umevi goa livne v'nehem. Lema'an shemo, for the sake of his name, be'ahava, because of our love for others. And it's a bit easier to understand in light of that um, essay in Chorev where Rav Hirsch wrote about love, and he said, I don't have the whole line here, but remember he said, like, love the son for the sake of the father. That this highest level of love is loving, hello, is loving because you love Hashem. Therefore, you love the people he has created. Because you see that, that just like you were created with love, they were also created with love. And so you love them for the sake of Hashem. Um... It helps us understand this idea of how, what the connection is between the love of other people and the love of Hashem. And that the base Hamikdash was destroyed because of sinas chinam, because of hatred of others, right? People, people were not, they weren't loving each other enough. But destroying the base Hamikdash, how would that cause us to love other people? The destruction of the Beis Hamikdash is the destruction of the place in which we can demonstrate love for God very directly, and where we can witness Hashem's reciprocal love for us very directly. But if we're not loving other people, then there isn't really room for a Beis Hamikdash. Because if the Ahava is there in the Beis Hamikdash, then the Chesed will be there out of the Beis Hamikdash. Because chesed is love indeed. If there is a lack of ve'ahavta l'reacha kamocha, then there's a lack of ve'ahavta Hashem elokecha. 
they go together in their in their truth underneath you know and people people love to get you know righteous and angry at people who apparently are um very very religious and from but who don't treat other people correctly and they're right that's incorrect <laughs> you're not allowed to do that <laughs> but you're also not allowed to do the other and the love of other people that doesn't involve love of God, it doesn't run very deep. It's very quickly subverted. It becomes love of animals as much as people, love of animals more than other people, love of myself more than other people. It goes in all kinds of crazy directions if it's not anchored to love of God as well. I heard... Rabbi Leff said that the, somebody came to the Rosh Hashiva of Tells, who was, I guess, Rabbi Leff's Rosh Hashiva. I think his name was Rabbi Katz. And said, I have a real issue. I have a real problem with these people who, who dress as if they're religious and claim to be religious and really they, I don't know, whatever it was, don't file their taxes or they're rude to other people or they're not, whatever it is. Um, and the Rosh Hashiva answered, you're right. I also have a big problem with these people. They pretend they're religious, but they are Mahalo Shabbos and they eat pork and they eat on Yom Kippur. And the man said to him, I don't think we're talking about the same people. <laughs> I'm talking about people who pretend they're really religious, but then they do all these other, you know, mean things like religion. Oh no, not pretend. He says they're they're all they're very religious and they are mean to other people. And the Rajasheva said, Well, yeah, those people aren't religious and these people aren't religious. Meaning these are all mitzvos. Hashem commanded them all to us. And we can't say, well, that person, well, he he's good in wearing sneeze clothing. Therefore, he's religious, but he's bad at keeping all the mitzvahs ben adam lachavero. You know, any more than you could say that somebody else who isn't good at dressing like a ben Torah, but he's, you know, and so he's really bad at some other mitzvahs. Like, what's the difference? Who are we to judge? Other than to say the people who aren't keeping mitzvahs aren't keeping mitzvahs. Whichever ones they are, ben adam lamakom, ben adam, you know, it's just that for some reason, possibly because we personally are offended, it's a lot easier to take umbrage at the people who are bad with Bein Adam People who are bad with Bein Adam what do I care? But that's backwards. Because really, you have to have and And the same way I should feel offended by you being mean to my friend, I should be offended that you feel me, that you're being mean to my God. You know, who's my father and who loves me and who's done everything for me and look what he's done for you and that's how you treat him? Right? That should also be offensive to me. So maybe you say, I don't need to shout about it. I just need to try and look for quiet opportunities to correct people. Okay, so that's true for everything. That's it. Okay. <laughs> that could theoretically lead us to a, to a poor Brasha. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see if I can remember that. Okay. Rav Chaim Vital says, and I think, you know, I mean, when Rav Chaim Vital says it, it's exceedingly esoteric. But in light of what Rav Hirsch said, I think it's a little easier for us to translate into terms we're more accustomed to. Rav Chaim Vital in Shari Kedusha, section 2, number 4, hating another Jew is equivalent to hating God. For every Jewish soul is a fragment of Hashem. Right, of Hash, uh, there's a portion of God within every soul. That's a very esoteric concept. It is. But in light of how Rav Hirsch placed it, that in lo- if we love God, we love the people he has created. And then the converse is true. If a person hates another Jew, it's like he's hating God. Lema'an Shemo, for the sake of his name, so there is a Chilul Hashem that I saw this in the Art Scrolls book on Shmona Esrei. 
and it quotes a passage from Yechezkel to explain, excuse me, to explain this concept, Hashem is bringing a redeemer for the sake of his name. What is it for the sake of his name? So that means Al-Kidush Hashem, to correct the Chilol Hashem that was. What was the Chilol Hashem? When the Jewish people lived in Eretz Yisrael and yet defiled it through their actions, when we were not keeping mitzvahs, when we're doing Avodah Zarah, whatever it is, people said about them, these are Hashem's people and they... And they're, and they're sinning. And Hashem scattered us among the nations. And when we were among the nations, we profaned Hashem's name. It was a chil Hashem again. Because people said, these are Hashem's people, and they've left his land. See? They're not there. It's all fallen apart. Right? So there's terrible, terrible chil Hashem, both in our sins and in the outcomes of the sins. In the punishment, when the Jewish people are punished, there's also a chil Hashem. You know, under normal circumstances... If someone sins and Hashem punishes them, that brings about Kiddush Hashem. But when the Jewish nation is punished, it tends to bring about Chil Hashem, at least among the other nations. So Hashem is concerned for his holy name that Israel has profaned. Therefore, Hashem says to Yechezkel, say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord Hashem, I do not do this for your sake, O house of Israel, but for the sake of my holy name, which has been profaned amongst the nations, because you profaned it in their midst. And the nations shall know that I am the Lord, says the Lord Hashem, when I shall be sanctified in your midst before their eyes. For I will take you from among the nations and gather you out of all countries, and I shall bring you back to your own land. That the, it's quite interesting, right? That the natural consequences there can't even play out naturally, so to speak. Because if they do, the Chil Hashem can become amplified. And therefore Hashem says, ultimately I'm going to bring you back, not necessarily for your sake, but for my own sake. That you caused a tremendous Chil Hashem. So now there's a punishment. But now the Chil Hashem has not been corrected through the punishment, as it ought to be. Theoretically, I mean, hypothetically it ought to be. And therefore, even though the punishment has to happen, because that will cause a kiddush Hashem within our own circles, and it will help get us where we need to be, but, um, but ultimately it has to lead back around to gathering us back in for it to really become... That, that would transform what happened before into kiddush Hashem, essentially, I think, is probably the message. Mm-hmm. Meaning if we are not gathered back in at the end of the Golos, then the whole Golos becomes a chilu Hashem. But if we're gathered in at the end of the Gullus, now the entire Gullus becomes a Kiddush Hashem. It becomes clear what happened. That we sinned, and we were punished, and God stood on the honor of the Shekhinah, and God continued to love us, and watched, and waited, and hovered over us, and brought us back. And then you have Kiddush Hashem again. Rav Al-Khadon Wasserman says, and I found this in a footnote in, Shem, in um, Shema Tfilasi, which is a collection of Rav Chaim Kanievsky's um, teachings on tefillah. So there's a footnote that quotes Rav Hanan Wasserman. Um, it attributes it to Dugmos, Labeori, Agados, Simon Yud Beis. I'm not sure. And then maybe uh, paragraph, Kuf Yud Beis. I'm not sure. At the end of Kovit Sa'aros. There is such a concept that the Geula will come for the purpose of being that has been trampled upon amongst the nations over the years and not in the merit of the Jewish people, meaning not because we've earned it mm-hmm. in some way. He says, a human being who has promised to do a favor for a friend, to do good for him. What, what should be our example? Um, I promise I'm going to make you a Shabbos meal. Mm-hmm. Okay? And I'll deliver it to your house. Mm-hmm. And afterward, his neighbor really betrayed him and treated him badly. Mm-hmm. So now I promise to bring you a nice Shabbos meal and I'll deliver it to your home. Mm-hmm. And then I, you know, as I'm walking down the alley, I overhear you in your backyard speaking Lashon Hara about me mm-hmm. and saying mean things about me. Mm-hmm. 
even though the one who has made the promise to do the favor, he doesn't want to violate his word, right? I mean, I said I would do it, so, okay, I promised I would do it, so I'll do it. Even if I'm going to keep my word, I really have, I'm hurt. And therefore, I'm not going to do this kindness to you with a very full heart. The way, you know, I might have felt one way when I promised to do it, but then circumstances changed. And now, yeah, maybe I'll bring you a meal, but like, I'll just go pick something up, you know, like at Ralph's, you know, at the kosher Ralph's place. I'm not going to put a lot of effort into it anymore because I don't feel that love for you now. But the quality of God is not like this. And even though the Jewish people do not have a merit to be redeemed, God's going to be doing it for his own name, not, for, not because we deserve it. We have betrayed him. We have not been loyal the way we ought. <clears throat> we haven't demonstrated we love him in the same way lately. Hashem's not like us. Me, if I, if I realize that you were not being so nice to me, you know, or you weren't truly as much my friend as you had expressed that you were before, so now even if I keep my word, I'm not going to feel like, I'm not going to do the chesed with so much love. But Hashem's not like that. Umevi goel God's not just going to keep his promise to the Avos to redeem their children. He's not just going to maintain the Kedusha Hashem by bringing a redeemer to the Jewish people. He's going to do it with love. Just as much love as if we actually had been able to deserve to be redeemed. The kind of goodness and love it would have taken for us to demonstrate to God to deserve to be redeemed is what God will show us, even though, in fact, we haven't gotten to that. Okay, Rav Hirsch has taught us. Ahava is in feelings. What chesed is in deeds. Chesed is ahava in action. Okay, there are some corollaries from this. Or possibly they aren't corollaries, possibly they're the basis from which he came to this, I couldn't say. But one corollary is this. Now, I got to tell you that I, I, because of the way this, I'm going to tell this over, um, the way I'm telling it over is the way that I understood it myself. But afterward, I found that Rashi and Ramban, in fact, say this. So it's really just a sign of my ignorance <laughs> that I said it this way. Um, so, and I'm sharing that just because I, I hope I'll tell it over properly, but that's why I can't point to a source here, but then I'll read you the Rashi and Ramban and you'll see how we, came, how we could come to this that way. The first corollary is this. This concept of umevi goa livne v'nehem l'man ongoing process of geula for the sake of God's name with love. The ongoing process of geula is the ahava in action. Right? If ahava is the feeling and the chesed is the deed, then the ahava, it says, l'ma'an shemo ba'ahava. The deed is umevi go'el livnei v'nehem. Right? That's, that is Hashem's love in action. It's chesed. That's what chesed means. Hashem's love in action. It's olam chesed yibane. The world is built with chesed. There is a whole process of the world that from day one becomes a process of umevi goel an ongoing process of, right, like uh, what, what Ramchal sort of indicated, this unfolding through twists and turns, always headed toward that goal of perfection of the world, that's all chesed. That is olam chesed yibana, the world, and that is a function of love. A second corollary of this is that it was v'zocher chas de'avos umevi goel livnei v'nehem l'man shemo ba'ahava. 
God remembers the chesed of the forefathers. And, okay, so what we have there then is the chesed of the forefathers and the chesed of Hashem. So there is a, a, a reciprocity makes it sound almost like business-like, you know, like we're trading. I don't mean that, but like a, a loop, a cycle, and on a two-way street of chesed. The chesed of the avos in making themselves a merkava, this is, that's the sort of Kabbalistic term for the forefathers as being compared to a merkava would be that upon which someone rides. It's a chariot, is a normally, like how you'd see it. Lirkov is to ride upon, like to ride on a horse or to ride in a car. A rechev is a vehicle, okay? A merkava is that which serves up, that someone can ride upon it. Okay. So the avos are compared to a chariot that God's name, meaning recognition of God, enters the world through our forefathers. And we can see that that is so. What, what did Avraham do? He not only recognized Hashem, he taught others to recognize Hashem, to see that God was in fact present in the world. That is a function of Merkava, of, of, of bringing that into the world. So that's the chesed, then. It's a specific chesed. It's a chesed of knowing God and helping uh, bringing that knowledge into the world. Da'as, da'as is lashon chiba, Rashi says. We'll come to it. Okay, knowledge of somebody means knowing them intimately. It's, it's a word that suggests love. It doesn't mean just, oh, yes, I'm, I'm acquainted with you. <laughs> to quote the late, great Mr. Rogers, when you love someone, you want to know everything about them that you can. <laughs> How he realized all these things, I don't know. <laughs> okay? When you love someone, you're interested in them. You want to know what do they think about? What do they care about? How do they spend their time? Okay? The word yidia in Torah, among other things, connotates love and affection. So the chesed of the avos in being that merkava for das of Hashem, it's not just that we're saying it's a chesed that they did it or they did it with love. Because what they were carrying, so to speak, is love. That which they were making known to other people was knowledge of God, which is loving God. It's das, which is chiba. When there is a geula, the concept is umalaha aretz dea es Hashem. The world will be filled of knowledge of God, of dea es Hashem. That really matches what the Avos were doing. The Avos are doing this for the sake of God's name. And Hashem is, in fact, bringing that mevi goel livnei v'nehem. What, what's going to happen when Hashem is mevi goel livnei v'nehem? We're going to know God. We're going we're gonna to have that imminent sense of das with regard to Hashem. So we will be filled with love for Hashem. That's what the Avos cared about bringing into the world for Hashem's sake. And Hashem, in turn, promises to bring that to their children. It's really the same thing that he's bringing. Okay, so then I actually saw this. Um, it, it occurred to me that when Hashem... Contemplates. I don't. I don't understand what such a thing. You know, in the in the prelude to Hashem telling Avraham about Sodom and Amora, that he's going to overturn it all. So there's a sort of a backstory that is provided, and Hashem says, "Shall I hide from Avraham that which I am going to do?" Avraham's a prophet, so he can see things from the perspective of what is going to happen, but Hashem could hide that from him. But Avraham will be a very great and powerful nation, and all nations of the world will be blessed through him. 
Ki yadativ. Now, this is an interesting pasuk, and this is the one that occurred to me, and so I went to look at it and discovered that, in fact, that's what it meant all along. I just hadn't realized that. Ki yadativ, for I have... Okay, here's the, the, the usual translation, even though it actually isn't Rashi's. Rashi says something different. But it sounds like maybe the... If, if we read it according to Onkelos... <laughs> For I know about Avraham, says Hashem, that he is going to command his children and his household after him, that they should guard the path of God, and do righteousness and justice. In order that God in order that it gives you problems to read it according to Unglis, as Rashi points out. And Hashem will do for Avraham, bring to Avraham, that which he has said he will do for him. Okay. That pasuk is very hard to read according to Unglis. Very, very difficult to read. So now let's look at what Rashi says about this, and then we can reread the pasuk according to Rashi. Kiyadativ, for I have known him. Now, I did a little quick sort of concordance search. I, I don't think the word yedativ in this conjugation appears anywhere else in Tanakh. Mm-hmm. Yedativ, because that was my first step, you know, try and understand, like, how is this word meant to be used? It seemed to me it was meant to be used differently, and in fact, Rashi goes there. I have known him, lashon chiba. This is a term meaning affection. Kamo, and then he gives two examples, one in Rus, Modala and another example in Rus, Halo Boaz, Modatanu, and an example in Shemos, Ve'eda Acha Bashem. Okay. Ve'omnam. Now, really? Ikar Lashon Kulam Eino Ela Lashon Yediya. Rashi's saying there's something fundamental here. I'm not telling. Rashi says when it says, I have known him, it means I love him. Okay. And he gives some examples of where it's clear that the word yediya, that knowing someone means loving them. To know him is to love him. But Rashi says, you really, you should know that really, whenever the word yediya is used, that's what yediya means. It's not that sometimes it means that and sometimes it means something else. Yediya, enoela, lashon yediya, that really is just what yediya means. Shehamechavev, that one who loves es ha'adam, one who loves somebody else, mekarvo etzlo, draws him close to him. Okay, so yedia is sometimes used in Torah to mean had relations with, right? And Adam knew his wife and they conceived. Well, I mean, there's something suggested then with the knowledge that he had of his wife, right? It's not just that he was acquainted with her. Okay, so that yedia... Because when you love someone, you draw them close to you. Viyodo, and you try to know them deeply. Umakiro, and to be acquainted with them. Okay. Vilama yidativ. Now he's starting to explain this pasuk in this light. Why? Hashem says ki, because, for. Yidativ, I have known him. I have known Avraham. Why? Did Hashem draw close to Avraham, love him, know him in a sense of loving him? Lema'an, in order that. The word lema'an means for the purpose of, in order that. And that is what makes this pasuk so difficult to read according to Uncles. In order that, asher yitzave, he should command his children and household after him. I loved him in order that he would command his children to guard my ways. In other words, I knew that I loved him. If I love him and cherish him and care for him, Avraham is the kind of person who can love back in a big way. Because Avraham's midah is chesed. Chesed is not just love, it's love put into action. So Avraham has this quality that if I love him, 
he's not, he will love me back. But not only that, he will take action on that love of God. And the form that that action will take will be to teach his children and his household actively. Here's how you express your love of God. Here's the actions you take. Vishamru, you, you guard the way of God and you do tzedakah and mishpat. Avraham turns the... He, Hashem will love him. Avraham will love him back. In the case of Avraham, that love will take the form of action. Okay, now... Rashi does not say, but I believe that it is consistent with, well, hold on, with the, what he's explaining. There's another lima'an after this. Lima'an, in order that, Havi Hashem al-Avraham, Hashem should bring for Avraham what he has said to do to him, what he promised him. In other words, Hashem's going to love Avraham in order that Avraham will love him back. In order that Avraham will turn his love of Hashem into actions of chesed and tzedakah and mishpat and train his children the same way. In order that those children will love Hashem and turn it into actions of chesed and therefore Hashem will be able to redeem them as he promised Avraham. I believe that that is what that Pasuk means in accordance with Rashi. Sounds, right? That extra lima'an havi, in order that God can do for Avraham. Hashem says, in order that I should be able to give to you, Avraham, I am going to bring out your ability to love me. Because you turning it into action is what will allow me to turn my love for you into action. I think that's what the Rashi means. Okay? And you will, I will show you a few more steps why. Ramban. The Ramban, in this case, um, is, I, I, I could be wrong because I'm not an expert in Ramban and I have to spend lots and lots of hours on any one Ramban to make the beginnings of progress with it. Um... But he, he starts by quoting Rashi, and I don't think he comes to contradict Rashi in this case. Meaning, often he will quote Rashi and then say it isn't so. Mm-hmm. Over here he says, um, What is correct in my eyes, which usually I think means he is not agreeing with Rashi. But, but well, you'll hear what it sounds like he's saying. It sounds like he's building on Rashi more than actually disagreeing. Mm-hmm. But I, I may have misunderstood it. What is correct in my eyes, I guess he's disagreeing. He's saying, no, it means knowing him. Not building this whole story about the love part. It means knowing. Knowing is knowing. Why? Because what would it mean if we said that God knows? It means he is aware and supervising what goes on in the world. Okay. That he is supervising this lowly world. And Hashem could have done it um, from a distance. Meaning, Hashem could have plunked people into the world and stood back and not gotten very involved and just, you know, step in here or there you know, when the children fight too much, you kind of, okay, everyone back to your rooms for 10 minutes and then you can come out again or 10 years, right? <laughs> and then you can come out again and more or less leave them to happenstance until it comes time to redeem them <laughs> or judge them or whatever it is that's going to happen to them. But Hashem is saying, Ki yadativ, I know Avraham. I, I, it's not a contradiction to Rashi. I love him, right? With those that Hashem cares about and loves so much, he's paying special attention to them in great detail. Now, this could be a tricky Ramban because I don't, I'm not fully versed in the Ramban's approach to Hashgacha. Okay? But I think what he's saying here is, I think we certainly can correlate it to the idea that every nation has a malach. Right? 
So there are forces that God puts into action to, to supervise each, each culture and each nation. The Jewish people don't have a malach to do that. Hashem does it himself. That's ki yedativ. I know him. Meaning I have awareness of him constantly. Hashem is always paying attention to Avraham. And in the same way that Avraham is teaching his children to always be on the path of God and paying attention to God and living their lives with awareness of Hashem, Hashem is also paying attention and keeping awareness of Avraham and his children, which is like the Pasukine, Ein Hashavel Yireyav. God's eyes are upon those who have awe of him. That it, it goes together. But here's, here's the bit. I guess I probably should have skipped that one, Bob. There's a different Ramban, which I think corresponds very much to how I read the Pasuk in, according to, in accordance with Rashi earlier in the Parsha. So the first bit that I read was Vayera Perikyud Ches Pasukyud Tes. That's before the thing with Sidon. Okay, now we come, <laughs> a lot happens in Vayera <laughs> from the point of view of Abraham. And now I've moved all the way to Akedas Yitzchak which is a lifetime away, right? The last verse, Yitzchak wasn't born yet. The Malachim came to announce that Yitzchak would be born, and now they're leaving. Now Yitzchak's 36 years old. So 37 years later, it's just a few pages away. And Hashem has introduced, I am not, I'm not going to hide from Avram what I'm going to do, because... I love him, and I know that he will teach his children to love me and to turn that love into action in order that I can do for him what I have promised to do for him. Listen to how the Ramban is going to explain the tests of Avraham. Okay? This is Perach of Beis Pasuk Aleph. It was after these things, the Ha'elokim Niso Es Avraham, that God, okay, the usual translation is tested Avraham. And he said to him, Avraham, and Avraham said, here I am. And Hashem said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, right? And bring him, as, bring him up to Har Hamoriah. <coughs> now, the word Nisa, in English, we call that tested. Av- Ramban says, what is this Hashem Nisa es Avram? Inyan hanisayon hu, ledati, the concept of what is a test is Bavor Heyos Adam Rishus Biado. A person, every person's actions, the person has absolute permission im Yasev Lo Yase. A person has free will. He can choose do I want to do this or do I want to not do this? So for him we could say that it's called a Nisayon, maybe some kind of a test, right? Mitzad hamenuseh, from the point of view of someone who's being tested. But what does it mean to say ha'elokim nisa es Avraham? If you want to say that Avraham experienced a test, that's legitimate. Because from the person's point of view, he has absolutely balanced free will. He can choose to do or not do. Aval, hang on, there's a typo. Aval yisbarach, but Hashem yisbarach, what, why is he testing Avraham? What could that possibly mean? Hashem knows what he's going to do. So what kind of test is it? Mm-hmm. That would a teacher test their students if they knew what the results would be? You don't need to. You know. So while I could understand that the word nisayon means a test from the point of view of the testee, it's difficult to understand what Nisayon means from the point of view of the tester when the tester is God who is omnis- uh, omniscient. So what is the purpose then of a test? So he doesn't say it over here. He says it elsewhere. But what does the word Nis mean? Nisayon. It means a banner, like a flag that you raise up tall to demonstrate the character of the place or person holding the banner. Veha Elohim Nisa es Avraham literally means Hashem raised Avraham up like a banner. He held him high like a banner. 
Okay, now I'm going to come back to reading the Ramban. Aval Hamenasa Yisbarach, God, the tester, Yitzavebo, he commands a test, a, a nisayon, test is just the wrong word. He commands a nisayon, which is an action or situation in which a person can become elevated like a banner. Lahotzi hadavar min hakoach el hapoal. In order to bring the qualities of a person out from their potential into their realization. Avraham has a lot of potential. Everybody has a lot of potential. If you have the potential to lift 20 pound weights, that's great. But if you never do it, so you are not a 20 pound weightlifter. They don't write your name down on the list of people in the 20 pound weightlifting category. But it's more than that. If you never lift the 20 pound weights, even though you have the potential, that is where your potential will stay. If you do lift 20 pound weights, then in a month from now, you'll be able to lift, if not 30 pound weights, then 25 weight, pound weights. And if not 25 pound weights, then at least you have the potential to lift 22 pound weights. Now it's only potential. If you never do it, it you, you're not on the list of 22 pound weight category. But more than that, that is where your potential will stay. It will stay at 22 pounds. If you start lifting 22 pound weights, then after a little while, your potential will be something more than that. This is to take something from its potential and put it into the material to realize it, okay? It causes it to be elevated and grow. It isn't just proving it. God doesn't need us to prove ourselves to him. He knows what we're capable of. So then why does he make us do it? He makes us do it. One thing that comes out of it, and he's going to give the reason, one thing, so that the person being tested has the merit of doing something good, not just meaning to do good, not just good intentions, good deeds. There is much greater reward for that which we put into action. We've talked about, we talked about this a little bit last week even, right? That which we put into action becomes permanent and forever and lasts forever. Good intentions don't last forever. Good deeds do. And furthermore, good deeds become elevated. The whole potential and intention climbs higher and higher and higher. Because for every step that you materialize and actualize, now your potential shifts up above that. If you walk up, you know, maybe I can't climb 20 flights of stairs. But if I climb one flight of stairs, I still have the potential to climb another flight of stairs. And if I climb the second flight of stairs, maybe I need to rest a while, but my potential for climbing another flight of stairs can get me up the third flight of stairs. And maybe I rest for a while. So you can constantly keep moving up even if your potential is only a little bit higher than whatever you've realized. Ki Hashem Tzadik Yivchan. You should know, Vida, you should know. Ki Hashem Tzadik Yivchan. That God tests the righteous. Ki Shehu Yodea Because he knows about the righteous person. Shiyase Ritzono that he's going to do God's will, and God wishes to give him the opportunity to be righteous. That's when he tests him with a nisayon. There is no point to testing a wicked person. He doesn't, he's not interested in doing the right thing. So Hashem is not out to get him, and he's certainly not out to waste his time. Wherever the concept of a nisayon appears in the Torah, it is for the benefit of the one being tested. That's amazing, amazing and fundamental Ramban. Okay, I think it sheds light on that same idea from earlier in the Parsha. Hashem says, I know about him and I love him. In order that 
He will command his children and household after him to guard the way of God and do tzedakah and mishpat, to turn it into reality, not just potential. Lema'an, in order that to turn God's words to Avram, his promises also into poten- in, from potential into reality. I think that's what that means. Okay. The Sifse the Sfas Emes, sorry, okay. This is the Zohar Chaste Avos, who may be go a livene venehem, Lema'an Shemova Ava. Okay, the Sfas Emes says, sorry, my watch stopped. Ikar hachiba mehanisiona shel Avram Avinu alav hashalom. This fundamental root of affection, which is in the tests of Avraham Avinu, is because Avraham did them with Ahava Raba, very great love. Vechein b'Mishnah, as we see in the Mishnah in Avos Perakei, there are ten tests that Avraham was tested with. Ve'amad bechulan. And he stood up to them all, <coughs> or withstood them all, I guess. is Perush, what does that mean? Ahmad, he stayed standing, bebechinas ahava, his quality of love, which is the midah of Avraham Avinu. It's his particular midah. God kept testing him. And what he needed in order to stand up to those tests was love of God. I suppose you could even see in Aketas Yitzchak, which is the, probably the peak of those tests, right? Hashem says, take your son, your only son, whom you love. That's Yitzchak. What's the test there? Even with your son, what is the foundation of your love for him? Do you love the son for the sake of the father? In this case, the father not being Avraham, for the sake of Hashem? Or do you love your son on his own with no connection to your love of God? In which case it becomes almost, it could be like a, a taint of Avodazar. You can love somebody, and if there's no sense that I love you because God made you, that's what it means to love someone just for who they are. Loving someone just for who they are is I love you the way God made you. I love you because God made you. I love you because you have a spark of divine inside of you, which means that no matter how, that, that's much more meaningful because it means that no matter what you do, no matter how badly you mess up, you can know that I will always love you because I love you as you are, who you are, because God made you that way. It's really a deeper kind of love. And in this way, there is no love competing with the love of God. It's all part of the love of God. And that is more meaningful. It, it could be, you know, I, I'm just realizing now, looking at this pasuk, es bincha, your son, es yechidcha, your only. Your only? I mean, he has another son, right? So we, we kind of go to some contortions to explain, well, it's, it's, he's the only son that, that counts, <laughs> Right? But I think if we understand it as a, uh, now I'm really just thinking about this now, if we understand this, this nisayon in terms of how the Svasemis puts it, that every one of this nisayonos is a, an upping of potential into realization for Avraham. And what is the potential that's being realized? It is that turning into action his love of Hashem. Because that's Avraham. He's chesed. He's Ava. If that is the nature of every one of his nisyonos, to bring out yet higher levels of ava and chesed for Hashem, and yeah, I mean, to bring out the levels of ahava, and by doing them, they become chesed, um, then this is the highest level of it. Your child, whom you love so much, and you know, with any other person, it's easier to say, well, I love you because. God created you. Because I love your parent, God, I love you. But when you are the parent, then who are you loving in the child? Are you loving yourself? Or are you loving Hashem? And it's not necessarily so easy to tease those apart. It's a very refined degree 
of teasing apart. I think it's a way of understanding this because when you see the word as yechidcha, you're only the one who's yachid umiyuchad is Hashem, not anybody's child. And so, I mean, not Avraham's child for that matter. I mean, it's the only son he has with Sarah. <laughs> but he has other sons. And later he'll have other sons again. But it, the nature of this onlyness of the child is really the nature of the onlyness, the uniqueness of the relationship to Hashem, who is echad miyuchad, one only and unique. That's really the nature of the test over here. That's the opportunity. The opportunity to love Hashem, that if it was one or the other, if the source of the love is in Hashem, then no matter how difficult, it will be clear that he's going to honor God over his son. But if the source of the love is in himself or in the child, then he's not going to do that. Hashem's goal wasn't to have him kill his son. That wasn't the point. Hashem's goal was that he should love his son as an extension of his love of Hashem. I suppose it's possible, you know, Yitzchak metaphorically rose from the dead, from that Akedah. Avraham and Yitzchak both thought he was dead already before that Malach stepped in and said, no, wait. You know, the knife is already falling and the Malach says, don't let it fall any further. So they had already mentally committed to his being dead. When he was alive again, who was his parent? Was it Hashem or was it Avraham? It's clearly God. The love of Yitzchak will be fully wrapped up in the love of Hashem. Gratitude to Hashem. I, I, you know, I think this is a correct way to understand Akedah Yitzchak, and it almost sits better than anything else I've understood about that Akedah. It, that's the point of it, is to, is to tie the love of Yitzchak to the love of God and not, not, the, you know, not to let it take on a life of its own. Some say Yitzchak did die, in which case now he's not born of Avraham anymore when he's revived, right? Um, back to the Swasemis, sorry. Just a little overwhelmed. I think that's a pretty exciting idea. Perush means to tell us that in these 10 tests of Avraham, he stood up in this aspect. He stood up, he withstood with this aspect of Ahava, which is the quality of Avram Havinu. He did not allow himself to be budged in his love of God in any of these tests. And God pays back every measure with a, with a reciprocal measure. That is referred to every day, three times a day in Shemona Esrei when we say, Hashem brings a Redeemer to their children's children for the sake of His name with love. Because when HaKadosh Baruch Hu does chesed to the Jewish people in the merit of their forefathers, even if they don't deserve it on their own merits, God still does the chesed with love. Because Avram Avinu also served God with love even when the situation did not apparently look like God loving him, he stayed with the love and loved God. And therefore, Hashem does the same for Avraham. Even when Avraham's children don't act, don't look like they're acting with love to God, God stands by and loves them anyway. That's how he pays Avraham back, which is quite remarkable because Hashem can be acting with love and we just can't apparently see it that way. But what does that tell us about our, our love of Hashem? Hashem is, ha- you know, they say, Rabo emuna secha, in the morning. We wake up, thank you, Hashem. Mm-hmm. You are very steady and eternally lasting king who gives me back my soul. Rabo emuna secha, you have a lot of faith in me. <laughs> you have watched me mess up over and over again, and yet... You stand by the potential and the belief that I am going to be able to serve you and do good in this world. And that encourages me to actually realize I can when I realize God is standing by 
waiting for it. It's, it's in there somewhere. Hashem stands by and watches us, even when we don't apparently seem like we're loving him, because he knows that Avram Avinu is in there somewhere, which is, tells us something about ourselves. So um, a little bit late. I, I, I want to close this idea. I got distracted. Not distracted. But I, I did get, at, I added something here by, by talking about the Akedah more than I was planning to. I was just planning to bring that one, that one Ramban. But with what we just said, um, there's, there's some other points from the Svas Emes that are relevant to this point from the Svas Emes. This idea that Hashem, okay. So this is now a different Svas Emes, Amparsha Tzav, from the year Tafresh Nun. The one that I read before was Parsha Vayera Tafresh Samech. Where he says, You know, even the way I read it this morning when I was reviewing, <laughs> I hear it differently now in light of this other Svas MS. In the knowledge that Hashem has chosen us, knowing that should be a foundation for every Jewish person to trust in their own inner love for God. That's awesome. It is about this love that the Pasuk says, Even many rushing waters cannot extinguish the flame of my love for God. That the, um, is that maybe in this week's Parsha coming up in Vayikra? that a, a constant fire burns on top of the Mizbeach. Shehu havtacha gamkein. We can read that as a promise. The fire will always burn inside of you. Nothing can ever extinguish the flame that beats within the heart of a Jewish person for loving God. And this power really existed in all of our forefathers, and therefore there are three different, um, three different terms Relating to the fire, there's Eish Tomid Tukad, Eish Hamizbeach Tukad, Veha Eish Al Hamizbeach. Referring to the three different Avos and this burning drive of love and Yira and Emes. They are all found within the Jewish people. That is Eloke Avraham, Eloke Yitzchok, Veloke Yaakov, who left this, this desire to cling to Hashem, each one according to their Midah. And we refer to that in our tefillos and relive it during the three times of day, right? The first prayer of Avraham, the second of Yitzchak, the third of Yaakov as well. Okay, so we will, we will stop here. Thank you. Thank you.